Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. is about to begin Hey, hey, hey Come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, your Tuesday Buckeye Talk. Man, we got some stuff coming. We're going to lighten it up a little bit. Got to stay loose. Chain, restaurant, bracket. 32 restaurants where you sit down and order food that you could get. The same food from coast to coast, north to south. We're doing it. That chain restaurant bracket has been sent out to tech subscribers, and we're going to talk about that on this Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. We're also going to talk football. We're also going to talk some stuff going on off the field. Stephen Means remains on vacation. He had joined us for the Market Down Monday where we made our Heisman picks because that's a big deal. This is just a regular Tuesday Buckeye Talk. Nathan, we got to loosen up a little bit because we continue to be in a holding pattern a little bit as we record this Monday afternoon Still no Big Ten schedule, and I am officially sort of like stuck at the moment waiting for the Big Ten to release its schedule. They're supposed to start practice on Friday. The Big Ten's going to announce in the middle of this week whether that's actually going to happen. We've been treading water, treading water a lot since March. The last couple of days I feel like I've been treading water more than at any point so far in trying to figure out what's next. Yeah, and we are just kind of doing what we can to try to push the news, but um, it's getting to a point where it's just in the hands of of some organizations to make some announcements, frankly, as to to what comes next. Um, You know, we've reported in the last week on what's going on as far as the attendance situation at Ohio State, and there's some more news that came out. I guess it didn't really come out today, but it's kind of been clarified today that, you know, Governor DeWine last week was saying, well, Ohio State can kind of make whatever plans it wants, but they're, you know, will make the final determination. And there, as it turns out, it, we, we did some reporting on just uh, what order is out there that's going to have some some sway over that. So um, just little things like that is, is kind of where we're at. And it's, I, I don't, I'm, I'm with you. Like it, it becomes very hard because at this time of year, we would obviously be, really going kind of full force, you know, doing um, features on players getting ready for that or, or, or talking more in depth about what we're going to see on the field this fall. And right now we feel so far removed from that, trying to report on whether we're going to see anybody on the field this fall. So what we're going to do, we're going to get into that a little bit more later. We're going to get into a little of the off field stuff. We want to take some uh, more football questions, just a couple rapid fire. 
Um, and then we'll get in, in the second half of the podcast, we'll get into what exactly is happening with the chain restaurant bracket, how you guys can be part of it, what the rules are for it. It's my bracket. I'm not voting. I made it. But we'll explain that. And then we have a couple food questions in rapid fire that kind of we've been saving that will work into that. But football to start, Bake of the 803, who has become a frequent texter, um, sent a couple good things a couple weeks ago. One that I, I don't have an answer to this, but I wanted to note, Bruce Feldman from The Athletic, always every year, he's been at three or four different outlets and does it, takes it with him from outlet to outlet. It's a really good idea he came up with. It's his freaks list where he talks to strength coaches from around the country and puts out the freaks list every summer of like these guys who are crazy in the weight room, crazy fast, crazy strong, crazy athletic. Bake of the eight or three said, who on Ohio state would make Doug's doughy list. So the idea of Doug's doughy list is fascinating to me, but I will say that um, we are not going to do that because I don't want to get punched by a football player. Right. I mean, that is, I'm not going that down that road. Who's like the big fat guy on the football team, Doug? I am not dancing on that dance floor. I was going to say, I don't think you actually sent me that question, did you? No, because we're not doing it. You didn't want to answer. <laughs> no, no, I am, I am not, I am not doing that. Um, but I am doing this from Bake from the 803. Do you think they will move a game to week zero now that it's an option? Week zero is all the games are supposed to start that first weekend in September. There are the NCAA among the many waivers now said you can play that weekend of August 29th if you want to. We've seen some teams start to schedule that, start to schedule playing that early, that week zero game. But Nathan, do you think it's a possibility at all for the Big Ten? I guess it's a possibility, but I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical it's going to happen. I feel like right now they're caught between wanting to have more space in the calendar. So that would be an argument for moving a game up to week zero because then that would give you help you build in those off weeks that they're talking about. But also just because of the climate right now, the COVID-19 climate and, and the way things are trending pretty much throughout the Big Ten, they also want to give themselves time to let things improve and I think have a better chance of getting the season started and getting it started and having it continue on. So that feels like a really delicate balance right now. And I would, everything we've heard um, from the reporting that has happened is that they, they think, I think September 5th, the, the original weekend was still the weekend that they were thinking the big 10 is going to announce whenever it announces that it's going to start. I would, I would, I would expect that to happen. And I think that that's probably why, because they want to, Right now, I, I think there was a time, if you had asked us this question a couple months ago when things were maybe trending in a better direction, we might have said, well, yeah, that makes obvious sense. You would definitely move it up to week zero. But then when things started trending back this way, it almost seems like you wouldn't want to move it up because you want to give yourself more time for maybe things to improve from a COVID situation. Can I ask a stupid question? Uh-huh. Buckeye talk. Can I ask a stupid question? Only stupid questions. Buckeye talk. How can you move up your season without moving up the start of your preseason practice? Isn't the yeah, whole, the whole, idea, could, yeah. the whole idea, but I don't think, but none of these programs that are going to play week zero games, they're not practicing already. Are they? They're going to play August 29th and they haven't started preseason practice yet. That's crazy to me. That I, I, I honestly don't know that for sure. But, but I, I don't, I don't think the big, like the big 10 is considering, are we going to let you start August 7th or not? August 7th is only 22 days from August 29th, and they would, like, play a game? I, there's no way they would do that. 
Well, it's also, I think, important to note here, though, that other than the games that were already scheduled for Week 0, the ones that have been added for Week 0 have been like uh, – is. Uh, Kansas is playing Southern Illinois or something like they're not, those are non-conference games, which a big 10 has already yeah. said it's not going to play. And um, they're, they're games that if you get to August 29th or close to it and realize that you can't play football, you cancel that game and it doesn't mean anything. That's the other reason why I don't think the big 10 would move it up. But I don't, but, but if you're the big 12 and I, don't, I said something the other day, I actually said something on the market that Monday podcast that was completely wrong. Cause I looked at the stats wrong. Trevor Lawrence actually ran for more yards last year than Justin Fields. And I was talking about how Justin Fields has an edge as a runner in that Heisman race. So sorry to Trevor Lawrence on that. Maybe I'm completely wrong on this. I don't care if you're playing a crappy opponent. You can't shorten preseason practice ever. I mean, the whole thing, they've had this whole discussion. How many weeks do you need to get ready for a season it's like well we need at least like four weeks of preseason and we need maybe the two weeks of workouts ahead of time and that's sort of what everybody's going on i, I saw someone mention the other day the idea of if the big 10 for instance this week would say no you can't start practice on august 7th that that somehow would be an indication that they're not going to play and I would not take it that way. If the Big Ten says, you can't start practice August 7th, it's not safe, we're not ready yet, we're going to delay at least a week and talk about starting August 14th, that to me just says, well, then they're not starting the season September 5th. Right. They have given themselves the flexibility to do. So it's long, if, but you need whatever the normal amount of preseason is, and I think it's like 28 or 29 days, it's always dated back from your first game, that's when you can start. I think it's four weeks back from that. You need a normal preseason. And with all this other stuff that's already been lost, you need at least a normal preseason. And so, to me, whatever you're doing, whenever you start preseason practice in earnest, you can't play safely until four weeks later at the earliest. So if the Big Ten delays the start of preseason practice, that means they're going to delay the start of games. And they have that flexibility. I just don't understand what some of these other conferences appear maybe to be doing. Well, that's the thing, and I, I was under the presumption that if these teams that applied for and got a waiver to play on August 29th, that that came with some sort of waiver as far as when you could start Maybe camp. Maybe because Wait, Because the, be NCAA, the NCAA preseason did allow for that. If you, you know, the August 7th date was based on September 5th starts, so teams like Ohio State, people that were going to be starting on that weekend. If you were going to start earlier than that, you, you were allowed to start preseason earlier than that, but... I honestly, I don't cover those programs and I, I didn't look that up. So I'm not sure if that's the case, but I agree with you that and, and now at this stage, that's actually the answer to the question that our texture is posing. If they, if a team hasn't started practicing by now, I don't think there's any way they're going to start. They're going to play in a game on August 29th. That just doesn't make sense. So I just think the, the, the flexibility is important. Um, but I think what the big 10 has done is given itself flexibility to start later. I don't think any component of the potential flexibility is to start earlier and it's interesting i'm not a doctor unlike and unlike many sports writers in the midst of this pandemic i'm gonna tell you that i'm not a doctor and i'm not gonna give you medical advice because i'm just a stupid sports writer just like every other stupid sports writer out there who thinks he's a doctor you're not a doctor. God, sports writers are dumb. I'll tell you what. I defend journalism. Journalism is important. 
Journalists, man, there's a lot of journalists I could punch right in the throat, especially sports writers, right? You're nodding. We're doing the video thing again. Try the YouTube channel. I assume you're it's talking free. about people that you do this podcast with. No, because you're not. I mean, we don't do that. We don't, we don't play that way. And, and, and if you follow Ohio State, you know some of the people I'm talking about. I just, what, what world are we in? What world are we in that somebody with the spreadsheet who has an opinion about who Ohio State's third receiver should be is giving you medical advice. Please don't listen to them. No matter what they think, don't listen to them. Okay, what's the other thing I was going to say? Um, so they're not moving a game. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think week zero is, 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 on the, is on the agenda for them at all. I do think in the future we're going to see more week zero games. It has nothing to do with COVID, but the, 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 the momentum is building for them to kind of have – they used to be a very, very specialized thing, and we're going to – so – I could totally see a an Ohio State game getting moved to week zero in the future for some reason. Well, Mostly this, TV reasons. This and this has happened, I think it's come up sometimes with NFL negotiations. I mean, it is super smart, I think, in a in a lot of ways, to extend the season without increasing the number of games that individual teams play. But the idea that like basically all your teams have to play every weekend, why is that? You can create much more TV inventory, have fewer games overlapping with each other. And so if the NFL wants to have a 20-week season, but everybody still plays 16 games, you're giving people more time to recover. You're having a couple fewer games each weekend, but you're still having more than enough inventory each weekend. If college football wants to now have – if they wanted to go to 15 or 16 weeks – and I'm just making this up now – but if they, went, if they said we're going to have a 16-week college football regular season – but you only play 12. That's brilliant. You're letting everybody recover. You're letting everybody keep a little tiny, little bit of an extra eye on schoolwork. All the fans would take it. Hey, great. My team's not playing this weekend. Man, I'm going to watch this other team, right? I, I, I mean, I just, like week zero, great. Add week 15 too. I don't, I mean, that's add week minus one. So I don't know. I didn't realize that I was wound up today, but it turns out that I am. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a feisty afternoon at the Le Marie's household. Oh, we're just, it's like uh, treading Is water. Guinea pigs? I get tired of oh, guinea pigs. As again, to all the uh, tech subscribers whose advice on guinea pigs was that they never stop pooping. Correct. Thank you for that advice. My We've, favorite, um, I was compiling the Heisman votes the other day and I saw the response, like right in the middle of all these Heisman votes, <laughs> there was a response to another text you had sent, which was, if you pick a guinea pig up by its tail, its eyes pop out or something like that. <laughs> that, that wasn't me. That was a tech subscriber. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. yeah, I'm not trying that. I have not touched, yeah, when, the, I have not touched the guinea pigs. My wife and daughters are grabbing the guinea pigs. Cause, I mean, can we, can we just be honest here? A guinea pig is a rat with a PR person. I mean, like, right? It's just, it's a rat with a little panache. So I don't pick up rats. There's a rat living in my living room, but I'm not going to pick it up. Some of the guinea pigs that we, when we were buying guinea pigs, some of them had red eyes. We didn't buy the red-eyed guinea pigs because those red-eyed guinea pigs are officially rats. So these, oh, they're a little bit cuter. They're like multicolored fur. They're a little scruffy, whatever. You give them a cute name, still a rat. Other, other question from Baker, the 803. There's been a lot of talk about the freshman receivers. Do you think Jamison Williams will actually be the one we're talking about at the end of the season? I mean, I'm not – we've had other texters say that over time. 
Nathan. As, and as we've continued to wonder about exactly what the effect is going to be on Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud and the backup quarterback battle is true freshman Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith-Najigba, Mookie Cooper, G. Scott Jr. As true freshman receivers, there are just some interesting skill position names who have had their preparation cut short. And I think there's a lot of people out there. Jamison Williams is a top 100 guy who's been here a year. He's kind of right in between. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson have played a lot. These true freshmen have played none. And in the middle is Jamison Williams, who's played a little. But the difference between a little and none in this situation might be a greater difference than normal. So I don't know that I'm going to predict it, but to me, absolutely possible that by the end of this season, we're like, wow, Jim, like Garrett Wilson, going to be a star. Chris Olave looks like a first-round pick. Also, Jamison Williams, going to be a star. I think that's very possible. I, I feel like we've talked about him and written about him enough over the last like month or six weeks that he almost doesn't count as a sleeper anymore. Like I feel like we've almost pulled the that banner off of him at this point that it's now because I think that's registered in enough people's minds. And at the time it was because he had a spring that the true freshman didn't have, or didn't have a full one um, on top of already having one year in the program ahead of that. So he was going to have that experience. I think the other thing though, that's crystallizing for me is if you're a true freshman, those non-conference games, I know that they were going to play Oregon early on, but those games against Bowling Green, those games against Buffalo, where you can come in and play against um, competition that's maybe more your speed at that point and just kind of get acclimated to college football. They aren't going to have any of those now. It's going to go right into Big Ten season. We still don't know exactly what that's going to be, but it could be Penn State, Michigan, that level of team right off the bat that Ohio State's going to play this year. And I, I think Jamison Williams, you would – it's plausible to theorize that Jamison Williams – is more ready to step in and do that than a true freshman is any of these true freshmen. So I I think it's, I don't know about making him a star, but I definitely think that at the end of this season, he could be the one that ends up being like the number three guy out of that room. Now what, what happens a year from now when all those true freshmen have had a year of acclimation and a year in the program and, and growth and development and all that, could somebody surpass him? Sure. But I think just the one that's maybe the most ready to help Ohio state this year could end up being Jamison Williams. All right, so those are both from Bacon, the 803. This question's from Don R. in the 614. Who will be the breakout freshman players this year other than the highly rated receivers in Paris Johnson? Is there a surprise uh, breakout player like Garrett Wilson was last year? I do not have a viable candidate, but I would like to hear from the Press Box crowd. Again, that's from Don R. in the 614. And I'll tell you what, Don R., you're kind of putting us in a box here in the Press Box. When you take away, okay, well, they have four really highly rated freshman receivers, but not them and not Paris Johnson, who's a five-star offensive tackle fighting for a job, you, you really thin things out pretty quickly because Paris Johnson is the number nine player in his class. Julian Fleming was number three player. Jackson Smith, the Jigba, number 28. G. Scott, number 66. Mookie Cooper, number 93. And then C.J. Stroud is number 42, a quarterback. We're not going to pick him. Those are the six highest-rated guys in the class. So if we're taking them away, the point I want to make about this is And I think we've talked about this some. And again, you know, there's no shame in repeating yourself when there's no football to talk about. When you look, Nathan, at the 2019 class, really, like who made an impact as a true freshman? Really, it's two guys. It's Zach Harrison, who was the number one player in that class, and Garrett Wilson, who was number two. Harry Miller was a backup, was a true second string guy. Did he, like, did he make an impact? I mean, not really. 
Jamison Williams was the fourth guy in that class. And then, like, nobody else did anything. I mean, in the rest of that class. And, the, and that class is not quite, you know, is not as highly rated as this 2020 class. But as we talk about Jamison Williams, for instance, Nathan, there were only two guys last year who made an impact as true freshmen. If you take out Paris Johnson and the four freshman receivers, is there even a candidate? Who would you maybe say as, yeah, as a true freshman, this guy could make some kind of difference this year? I would say that the difference between this year and last year, though, is that I don't think you looked, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I got here right before the season, but there weren't necessarily any positions going into last season that maybe seemed as big of a question mark as what you have right now at in the secondary at Ohio State. And so the, the answer I was going to give, I, breakout is a tricky question. I don't know exactly what that means to each person, but I would say either uh, Ryan Watts or Legend Cavazos. We, we've talked a lot about the cornerback situation and whether Ohio State's deep enough there or not. Do we know who their third or fourth best cornerback is right now behind Sean Wade, Seven Banks, and I guess Cam Brown as the third guy? So how do we know who else can contribute there if needed or if that's what um, – Kerry Combs decides he wants to do as far as rotating guys. And those two guys, I don't know that we've prominently mentioned them very much, but those would be two guys out of this true freshman class who you think could have some talent and could maybe step in right away and contribute there in some way by the end of the season. I think you're right. I think it's an excellent point. Um, I think Cavazos is interesting. And, and usually on this kind of stuff, we'd lean towards the guys who were here in the spring and Cavazos and Ryan Watt both were and uh, Lathan Ransom wasn't. But as we've said a million times, the impact of being here early was greatly lessened. So maybe Lathan Ransom too. But the guy that I keep and, – and the thing is, is part of it is what would happen right now. But all it takes is an injury or two, right? And I keep thinking back like to Von Bell as a true freshman in 2013 at safety. They got one injury to Christian Bryant. They put in a veteran who wasn't ready for it. And then by the bowl game, it was like, hey, Von Bell. He's a true freshman. He had a pick in that Orange Bowl. It made you think, man, that guy should have played more. He wound up not playing that much, but he made a little bit of an impact. And so I think in the secondary is a good place to look. You know what? I mean, if if they have like one turned ankle and a positive COVID test at corner, like Legend Cavazos is like on the field. But honestly, I don't even know if, it, if I go to that extreme. I think this team this team needs somebody to step up and and – assert themselves as the fourth best cornerback as, as like, I'm a guy that you can trust if you need to. I don't know if they have that guy right now, as we've talked about multiple times. And that's partially unfair of me to say, because we haven't seen anything since the first week of March. So maybe guys are getting better behind the scenes and maybe they already were. And we just didn't get a chance to see it, but that's a question that still has to be answered. And if a true freshman can step up and do that, I don't think they have to be a star. I don't think they have to show themselves to be a surefire um, early round NFL draft pick by the end of their freshman year. But if you just step up and contribute in that way, like kind of give some confidence at a position that needs some, I think you've made a big contribution. All right. Before we get to the break, after the break, it's going to be all food. So if you are, it's split. There are people who listen to this. I'd say it's not split. I'd say 70% of the people who listen to this podcast like the nonsense. And we haven't done a lot of nonsense lately. After the break, it's going to be all food. Food bracket, food questions. Last football stuff we'll talk about before then, though. The Pac-12 had players unite with a statement about things they want 
from the Pac-12 or they are saying they might not play football this season. It was across a lot of programs. Um, it has not spread in that way to other conferences yet. A guy like Trevor Lawrence did tweet support of it. Uh, Ramogi Huma, who is, again, a guy that I've talked to a lot, who has been mentioned on this program, uh, is sort of the leader of the unionization movement in college football and has been that way for a decade. I have not talked to Ramogi since this came out. He went to UCLA. He's on the West Coast. It is not a coincidence to me that this started with Pac-12 players and Ramogi is involved in it. Now, of course, Ramogi was also involved with the Northwestern movement however many years ago that was with Kane Coulter and that wasn't in the Pac-12. So my initial reaction to this letter and the idea that they want, uh, they want 50% of the revenue for players, they want minor sports that have been cut to be reinstated, they want racial justice initiatives, they want COVID-19 protections that are monitored by a third party, and basically everyone who's written about this has said it, there's some really completely smart, necessary things in there that, sound, that absolutely feel like they could be enacted kind of easily. And there are some pie-in-the-sky things there that feel like, well, that would not happen without a lot of work, and there's a long road before you would get that request. But guess what? That's what negotiating is. You don't just give a list of six things that could be very easily done. You shoot for the moon. And you give, if you shoot for the moon a little bit, then you almost guarantee yourself the stuff that's easy. And maybe you get one of the things in between and you start a discussion about the shoot for the moon stuff. So I get it. I wonder what the actual on-field impact will be this fall. My instinct at the moment is not something to the effect of there might not be Pac-12 football this year. I think, and people have made this point, and some people have talked to the players, it's one thing to say we might not play if these demands aren't met, and then it's another thing to say I'm not playing, to have hundreds of players say we're not playing, you didn't meet them. I think I get totally where they're coming from. I'm not at the point where I feel like this might mean there's no Pac-12 football or that this push might be what, what ends college football for 2020. I have more I want to say about it, but Nathan, what's your sort of takeaway from the last couple of days of this? Well, anytime these things come up, it, I wrote about this a few weeks back after the um, U.S. Senate hearing about name, image, and likeness. Uh, Michael Drake, kind of like his last duties with Ohio State was to go there and participate in that hearing as one of the panelists. No current athletes on that panel. And every time one of these situations comes up, it just reinforces to me that What's really growing is the players, I think, recognizing their voice, but then also just demanding that that voice be more involved in the actual construction of things like the COVID-19 protocols or the name, image, and likeness stuff. They still feel like a lot of things are just being dictated to them. And the I don't think that that's reflective of the power structure in college sports anymore. I, I don't think people look at college sports as like just an extension of high school in a way where you still have administrators and, and principals and parents or whatever running things. And they, I think they look at it as almost a minor league and that there needs it, it. It's reasonable to expect that the athletes have more of a say. And I, I think the NCAA would be wise to, be a little bit more proactive. It's not something that they are very um, 
good at doing. It's and I think Gene Smith has, has said that uh, in the past in in a press conference that we had with him that the NCA has drug its feet on some things. But he was talking specifically in terms of name, image, and likeness. And I think if the NCA is going to there could be a time where if the NCAA hasn't gotten out in front of it, then it ends up having some things sort of forced on it that it could have come to a more equitable or, or something that would have been better for itself. I, now, I, now, having said that, I think they have started doing some of those things with like the transfer rules and stuff. You have seen them start to make some concessions along the way, but the, it's not really appeasing people, obviously. I mean, I, I think the, the players are still standing up and saying, wait a second, why is it that we have to follow all these rules, but we didn't have any say in it, that sort of thing. I think that the, the players are just sort of demanding a seat at the table. More than more than those demands at the end of the day, the 50% revenue and all that stuff, I think it's a demand that they want a seat at the table. And the way you get a seat at the table is by having a union. By having collective bargaining, right? right? So right. I mean, and it has to come collectively. That's the thing. Right. It can't just be a guy here, a guy there. If you get like what's happening here, where you have like an entire conference, and you have you know some of the prominent players in that conference promoting those concepts, I think that's when you start to see some momentum. You have to threaten somebody to get them to listen to you, and they, they do. They do at this point because I think people have been asking nicely for some of these things for a while, and it's not really getting them anywhere. If I said Nathan. I will turn your microphone off unless you, you know, you got to threat, threaten. That's how I, that's how I parent. I threaten my kids. I will murder your guinea pig if you don't clean your room, right? I mean, that's just good parenting. Well, Nathan, you don't have, Nathan, you're freshly married. I don't know what your, what your future plans hold, but if someday you're a father, you know, again, I think getting a guinea pig and then threatening to murder the guinea pig if your kids don't listen to you, that's just good parenting. So sometimes, Threats are necessary. So I, I don't – I think it's interesting. I think it's – like with a lot of this stuff, I think, I think all these different things together are the beginnings of things, right? Are the beginnings of, yeah. well, of the-, the changing of the system. I don't think it's the end of the 2020 college football season. I think it's the beginning of some, but not all – fundamental changes to how we go about college sports but i i don't know that they're certainly not going to solve those things overnight and i just don't know that i believe at the moment that hundreds of players are going to sit out to in an effort to try to make those things be solved i would be a little surprised by that too i i I think if you go back and look through american history anytime there's been sort of a movement and you've seen these sort of regulations, rules, however you want to say it, change over time. You're going to find a, a point where um, a movement started and I wouldn't say failed, but like didn't, it didn't come to fruition, but that kind of laid the groundwork. And I think that's kind of, you know, the, the King Colton Northwestern thing, that obviously didn't really go anywhere. We don't have a players union. It's been, what has it been like almost a decade now was, since that I happened? Think it was 2014, maybe it was. Okay. So, but, but several years, I mean, we haven't made real, concrete progress towards that happening but i think it got out there into the consciousness people analyzed it and debated it and thought about it and i think a a portion of people heard that argument and said hey that sounds like a reasonable thing or some version of that seems reasonable and i think that it just starts that that kernel gets to grow over time as more and more discussion happens more and more of these incidents i think covid has kind of 
altered the, the, the conversation a little bit. It, it's, it's been something that's kind of accelerated some of this conversation a little bit because the name image and likeness scene was already happening and they were even starting to make some progress there. And then now you start coming in with like an actual health concern um, priority thrown on top of that. And I think that's, that's given the players, I think a little bit more because I think they feel the public sentiment. That's the other thing that's changed over time. The public sentiment is definitely there in a lot of ways for the players to have more standing. And I think they're feeling that and that's kind of emboldening them to take these steps. Uh, the one thing that, and I get, I haven't, I haven't like scratched it out in the back of a napkin. I haven't done the numbers. The idea of wanting 50% of the football revenues for the players, yet also wanting every other Olympic sport to not be cut seems a little, I'm not sure how that would work. The whole point yeah, is the that mathematics the football that. revenue right. pays for all these other sports, and it probably shouldn't. So I get it. It's nice of you, football player, to care about the fencer and not want the fencing team cut. The fencer is stealing your money, football player. So you can either ask for your fair share of the, of the pie based on you putting your brain and body on the line, but I'm not sure you can ask for your fair share of the pie and tell them to still keep fencing. I'm not – yes, they can take the waterfalls out of the locker room and they can slash coaching salaries and get them down to reasonable amounts instead of ridiculous amounts. But that – I don't think that alone – no more waterfalls and if you cut every, every football coach's salary in half, that wouldn't be enough to say here's 50% of the revenue for the players and here's your fencing team. So something's got to give – but again, it's a negotiation. So and I also just want to say before we take the break – to the two-year-old out there who listens to Buckeye talk and sings along to, hey, hey, where you been? I'm, I'm not really going to kill the guinea pigs. That's just a bit. I just do some bits on here, right? I mean, I like to be the dumb guy, the mean parent. I mean, I am dumb and I am mean, but I'm not going to really do that. So if we know there are children, mom, dad, the guy on Buckeye talk is going to kill his children's guinea pigs. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. So they would throw what? me out. What is worse parenting, threatening to kill the guinea pigs or letting your two-year-old listen to us on a daily basis? It's their, that two-year-old's favorite song is by Mike Lewis. I'm, we're getting Mike Lewis on. We got to get Mike Lewis on. I keep telling him he's going to be on and be on. And then I never, I never get him on. Um, Mike Lewis is the guy from Tennessee who wrote, who wrote our theme song. He is making an impact, baby. Nobody, I, I've never had a two-year-old say, uh, quote us. Nobody, there's not a two-year-old walking around regurgitating what Nathan Baird says. Hey, my two-year-old was walking around explaining Nathan Baird's point about why he has questions about the secondary. Well, no, they just sing the song. Music connects with people, Nathan. What we say goes in one ear and out the other. Sorry, that wasn't, so you're saying that wasn't a hypothetical two-year-old. You've actually heard from our two-year-old demographic. It's in a review. It's in a review. Okay. It's, a, it's a parent on what it gave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, which we certainly will take if you want to drop one. And part of the review is that the, was that the two-year-old sings the song. So that's real. That's real. Nothing we do makes that kind of an impact. We that's like be, someone learning to talk by listening to Buckeye Talk. I know. I know. But, but also, the, 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 we could, the, our whole podcast, we're going to go like 58 minutes on this on treading water while we wait for a schedule, we really just could have played the 30-second theme song and made the same impact. All right, we'll be back after this to talk about food for 25 minutes on a football podcast. 
Editor's note, to be fair, we did do nine minutes at the end of the podcast on the Ohio State-Michigan game and where it might end up on the revised schedule that probably will come out Tuesday. So if you're bailing on the food talk, you might want that football talk. It's like the last nine minutes. Sorry. You're listening to Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. Been saving this question from a texter from Josh in the 330 for a while. What is an item or items that have been discontinued from a fast food chain that you guys would like to see brought back? I always go back to McDonald's pizza. I do remember McDonald's pizza. I loved I loved McDonald's pizza when I was a kid. Nathan, is there something that you grew up on or that you long for that is no longer available? I've, I've actually talked about it before on this podcast because we talk about fast food almost as much as we talk about football. But when I was a kid, Hardee's was a completely different kind of restaurant. It was roast beef and then fried chicken at one point, like with roast beef. So it was like Arby's and KFC together, except kind of better than both of those things. And uh, I really missed that incarnation of – so either the – Hardee's roast beef or the Hardee's fried chicken. Actually, they had a great chicken filet sandwich. I haven't been back to Hardee's anytime recently to find out if they still have that exact same chicken filet sandwich, but it was a great, like, um, a well-spiced chicken filet sandwich. Um, and now it's just Carl's Jr. with the name Hardee's on it in the Midwest. So um, I, I miss I missed old, old school Hardee's. You are always on the lookout for a well-spiced chicken sandwich, are you not? Aren't we all? Yeah, we are. Yeah, that's real talk. I mean, I, I was going to maybe disagree. How would, how would any person disagree with that? I'm going to have a Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich for dinner. So I've been planning that. That's where I am in my, in my pandemic life. I'm planning my dinner, Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. Uh, Nathan, do you remember the Wendy's Super Bar? Oh, I do. Yes. So that you grew up in a small town. I grew up in a small town. And I, and I found a website that wrote about this. It's like you Google stuff. You know, people think the same things. Are you still – I'm still constantly – this is actually – I've, like, been trying to think to myself, we need to get back into a little more nonsense. We need some more nonsense topics. I want to do a jury duty topic because I love to talk about jury duty. Um, but I also – I am always – one of the great – maybe the best thing about Twitter is when someone mentions something on Twitter – that you do, that you thought you were the only person in the world that did that thing. And then you realize, oh my God, this is just human nature. We're all programmed like this. But somebody on Twitter the other day tweeted something about when you leave the knife on the edge of the sink, just in case you want one more slice of toast later in the day, and you don't want to have wasted the butter knife from the previous piece of toast that you had. And if you come to my house, 20 of the 24 hours of the day, there is a knife with a little bit of butter on it on the edge of the kitchen sink waiting for that potential next slice of toast. And when that person tweeted that, I felt heard. I felt a connection to the human race. Nathan, do you ever have, have you had one of those moments and you're like, do you know what I'm talking about? Those little picadillos, picadillos, piccolos? Those little Pe things. Picadillos. Picadillos. A picadillo, delicious, spicy picadillo sandwich. They have a nice juicy breast. You get a little breading on there. What, those moments when you realize you're not alone in the world, it's not just you and your butter knife. There are other people like you. Do, do you have moments like that? 
Yeah, and nothing's really jumping to mind, although, I mean, your example is something that I definitely do, and it's not so much with, like, the butter knife, but it's, like, if you're cooking something and you don't, and you need to keep that serving spoon for something else or whatever you were, like, stirring with as you were cooking, you want to, and you need that, you might need that for either serving or for the next thing you're cooking, so that that's the one that kind of usually gets balanced precariously on the edge of the sink for me. But as aren't you, I mean, maybe this is an old man thing. I am constantly right on the edge of eating a piece of toast. At any moment, it might be like, I'm about, watch out, Doug might eat a piece of toast. Because, and my dad, when I was a kid, it would be like 8.30 at night. And it's like, you're getting a snack to eat while you're watching TV. My dad would make a piece of toast. And I would like, are you a crazy person? And then I just realized that when you become a dad, you just eat toast as a snack. You think toast is a delicious snack. So I don't ever eat toast as a snack. We have, um, we're a very like oatmeal uh, family, but we also have been mixing in eggs there occasionally. I like to make over easy eggs and toast is great with over easy eggs. You should get to like s- sop up the stuff. But so. would you, would you eat that as a snack at like three thirty in the afternoon? No, no. Yeah. See, I'm opening your eyes to some stuff here. You might have over easy eggs and toast as a snack tomorrow. Okay, that was uh, uh so the Wendy's Super Bar. I read about it online. It's a blog post from 2012 from uh, a website that was called InsufficientScotty.com, and he said he was going to start this new column called Whatever Happened to. And his first column about it was the Wendy's Super Bar, and I just related to it so much. Growing up in a small town, this is a quote from his blog post. The Super Bar was an unholy bastard of random food that you would not normally associate with Wendy's. It was predominantly a salad bar with your standard salad bar fixings. But in addition to the salad station, which they called the garden spot, there was also a pasta station, creatively called Pasta Pasta, and a Mexican station, Mexican Fiesta. When In a small town... The Mexican Fiesta Bar at Wendy's was the Mexican restaurant. Was the best Mexican food that I could get. <laughs> and all I remember is the nachos from the bar. I don't remember the other stuff. I assume it makes sense that it was a salad bar. All I remember is the nachos. The idea that you could go get a hamburger and fries and sit there and then kind of be like, you know what I could use? Like a ground up Wendy's hamburger with a little Mexican seasoning on a to- on like a, a little Tostito chip with some like ballpark nacho cheese sauce that's at your hamburger restaurant. That was so next level. McDonald's wasn't playing that game. Burger King wasn't trying to do that. Wendy's that made Wendy's in my small town, like a five-star restaurant. I'm going to go get my Wendy's tonight and I wouldn't go inside of Wendy's and sit down and eat because again, we're in a pandemic, but I would look forward to the Mexican Fiesta bar at Wendy's if it still existed. So it hasn't been around for like 20 years, maybe longer. But you live that. You live the small town Wendy's super bar world. Oh, yeah. I, I vividly remember like the one it was in, uh, it was right down the street from our church had one of those bars. So it was the one that we would go to the most too. So yeah, we, we definitely, plenty of, of, uh, of those bars of yours. I want to call your attention to another website you might like. It's a little bit off topic. But people may already know about it. It's called used to be a pizza hut.com. Are you, are you familiar with this? I am not. It's this guy has gone around and like made this website or kind of a blog site, but just with photos of 
current establishments that so very obviously used to be a pizza hut, like have just like a, the, the distinct pizza hut shape. Like I was just looking at it now, like the number two photo down is like spice gentlemen's club in Eugene, Oregon. It's like, it's a strip club now, but it obviously used to be a pizza hut. Just the same, the, the, the shape of, of the roof and everything. So I think you would have fun, like a little nostalgic trip back. My, my the pizza hut in the town I grew up in is now like a bank. So I would like to contribute to used to be a pizza hut.com. Um, the, one of the best Mexican restaurants in Lafayette, Indiana, um, it's called El Magway and it started um, just some local people started it in an abandoned KFC. And then they, they were right next to an area where this uh, church group was trying to expand. It had like a community center and stuff. So the church group bought that out that restaurant space so they could level it and expand their space. And that Mexican restaurant that was in an old KFC moved to the South end of Lafayette into another abandoned KFC to set up shop as a Mexican uh, restaurant. Nice. Nice. So that's like their motif almost is like, it yeah. <laughs> used to be a KFC. You can start that competing website. Um, all right. One more food question. Oh, there's before... only two entries. That's it. Oh, stay on the lookout. And one of them's gone now. So uh, from the 419, what barbecue joints do you guys like? I have a city barbecue nearby that I love. My all-time favorite is Maurice's barbecue in Columbia, South Carolina is barbecue on your menu. So I, I think, again, we've talked about this. I mean, I'll, I'm a kind of guy who when, you know, I'm in the Southwest or whatever, I'll, I'll eat barbecue. I've been, when I've been in Dallas for Ohio State things a couple of times, I've gone out of my way to eat barbecue. Uh, we went to the meat restaurant in Oklahoma City when we were there for the Oklahoma game in 2016. I will say this for City Barbecue, and I was actually thinking about this before, because as I was making the bracket, I was trying to think to myself, is City Barbecue a sit-down restaurant or do you order at the counter? Because if you order at the counter, you're not in my bracket. And I realized I never go there. And the reason I never go there is because they have often sort of been the media food at Ohio State basketball games and at some football games at times. And sort of like, no offense to them and thanks for the free food, but like sort of like old barbecue in a press box is not always the most appetizing thing not that i'm complaining about free food but it has affected my perception of city barbecue and i never go to city barbecue and i bet that it's better when it's not sitting in a press box all the time so i have decided i need to do an investigative visit to city barbecue to see if i need to like jam it in the bracket real quick um, but there is not a lot of barbecue. There's a Ray Ray's barbecue. I know that people like it's actually right down the street from my house. Um, I'm a big, I love pulled pork. I love pulled chicken, but I don't seek it out very much. And I think it's because I don't think there's much good stuff of it in Columbus. And I might be wrong. Am I wrong? You're Have wrong. you eaten? Um, okay, let's go. Barbecue. So let's barbecue go. Is, is maybe my favorite cuisine. It's certainly like my favorite American cuisine. Um, I love, there was a great one in Lafayette called South Street Smokehouse that I, if you ever have to go to, um, if you make a road trip to Purdue, I would definitely recommend that place. Incredible onion rings, great ribs, brisket, uh, South Street Smokehouse right there on South Street. Um, and, uh, my brother lived in Memphis for like three mm -hmm. years going to grad school. I visited him a few times. Memphis is an incredible barbecue town. As people probably know, I could, uh, there's a place called the barbecue shop, um, Corky's, Central Barbecue. I think I was even drinking out of a, um, a Central Barbecue cup when we did the podcast the other night. I don't know if that got on the, the video clips we're doing, but um, here in, in 
Columbus. Um, Ray Rays is great. We just had Ray Rays again on Saturday. There's the one. We've gone to the one several times in Clintonville, which is right on High Street. But this one was, if you go to Noctura Brewing in Powell, they have like a food truck rotation there. And the one on the weekends is Ray Rays. So you can go there and get like the full Ray Rays experience. And it's pretty fantastic. We also, though, um, just out of like accidentally found a place in uh, Grandview called um, Smokehouse Brewing Company that we were really impressed with like early on in, in the shutdown when we were kind of all really locked in indoors. One of the first places we got takeout was from that place and it was fantastic. We ate on it for like three days and um, really impressed by it and uh, we'll probably go back there as soon as we can. So, um, but now I feel like there's actually a lot of opportunity. I, City barbecue, I'm not gonna say it's bad. I just feel like it's kind of like the, it's like the fast casual, it's like Chipotle or something like that is to Mexican food almost or something like that. Like I, it, it's chain. It's, it's not as distinct as like some of these places that I feel like. And um, I, I think you can find really good barbecue, a lot of places in, in Columbus. I'm looking forward to, to trying out some more. Cause there's a, a pretty expansive list of it. Now I'm going to, now that we're moving over the East side, I'm going to have to find some over there, hopefully. Okay. I'll eat more barbecue. I'm in. I apologize for my barbecue failures of the past. I love, see, and I think you have to be in on the barbecue sides. It can't just be about the meat. Like the meat is, you can find good meat usually just about every place, but I think the sides are are crucial. You can find good meat, Buckeye talk. (laughs) But I think the sides are crucial. They've got to have good greens. They've got to have good baked beans. They've got to have some kind of a good potato offering um, that isn't just like store-bought potato salad or something like that. It's got to be something original and good. So let's get into the bracket. 32 chain restaurants. I did more research on this than I've done for any story that I've written in about six months. Um, and I sent it out. I, I told the texters, no seeds. I seeded it and I bracketed it. But I'm not telling anybody what the bracket is or what the seeds are until it's over. So you are getting, the, the texters got four first round matchups. And I don't want to influence this thing because my seeding of the, uh, the, the favorite Ohio State player, I think, influenced some of the voting. There weren't any upsets. You know, I mean, I think some people are going to be able to guess, you know, what the highest seeds are. My personal preferences came into play, but I also found a website that listed as of 2018 how many locations chain restaurants had around the country. I said that you had to have at least 50 national locations and you had to have at least one in Ohio to qualify. I think after that fact, I've already, I've, I found one restaurant that I had in the original bracket that actually does not have any in Ohio at the moment. I'm probably gonna have to dump them out and throw somebody else in. But I also didn't want to make it, I, I, like I didn't just go with the, with the 32 like biggest. You know, there's a couple that I didn't include. I didn't include like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse because that's just too fancy. It was on that list. That's too fancy. That's not normal. That's not what I'm looking for here. I didn't include Dave and Buster's because I actually like the food at Dave and Buster's. I think they have good American food. But how do you – you can't take the video games out of the equation. That influences – you can't go to Dave and Buster's and just be like, I'm only going to think about the food. So I don't want video games influencing how people vote. Um, if you go there and spend four hours and not eat anything and still feel like you had a great time, it probably doesn't count. I watched the Pacquiao Mayweather fight at David Buster's. Like I had a great, you know, I think I ate some nachos when I was there, but that's not, that's, that's not what I wanted to get into. Um, I didn't include Pizza Hut 
because my issue was you had to have a server. Someone has to come to your table. That's the distinction. Someone has to come to your table and take your order. No walking up to a counter. This is not fast casual. It's sit down. So Pizza Hut is that, but Pizza Hut was in our last bracket. We had lots of Pizza Hut discussions. And I, the word ethos, I use that a lot. The ethos of Pizza Hut is a fast food, fast casual restaurant, more than a sit down restaurant. And also, if you're going to include a pizza restaurant, I think you have to be able to order something besides pizza. And I don't think there's any, I mean, you can't get anything other than pizza at Pizza Hut. So I didn't. Well, they got sandwiches and stuff, but. Do they? Yeah. But it's not what I'm looking for. You know what I mean? I Understood. mean, it's, 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 not, it's not what this is all about. So I didn't include Pizza Hut. And like, I didn't include Roosters because Roosters is really Ohio specific. I think it, on the list that I had, it had 41 national, uh, 41 total restaurants. It's just a little too local for me. And like, I think it would do really, really well, possibly in voting. I love Roosters, but yet it really wouldn't represent my, to me, what a chain restaurant is, is I can eat it here at my house and I can go on a plane and get off the plane and also eat it there. And it's the same thing. So that I, that's that roosters doesn't really fit that in my, yeah, mind. that's not a slide against roosters. That's just, yeah, I think that's a good parameter for this, this exercise. So the votes are the, the bracket is done. And I will say in the end, I definitely could not have gone 64 on this probably till about the five seeds or halfway through the five seeds, you're still pretty good on like very well-known places that everybody kind of gets. They know what they are. Once I got down to like the seven and eight seeds, it's getting a little dicey on some of this stuff. Some of these restaurants I think aren't going to fare very well in early round matchups because people haven't been there. And that's, then you're not as good of a chain restaurant. If people aren't as familiar with you and say, I can't vote with, for you because I haven't eaten there, that's the whole point. Nobody is saying that about Olive Garden. Nobody's going to be like, Olive Garden? What is all? Everybody knows what Olive Garden is. So I will tell you, Olive Garden is, a, is at least a decently high seed in my bracket. When Olive Garden has its first round matchup, it's going to match up with the restaurant that some people are going to say, like, I'm not sure I know what that is. So then Olive Garden's going to have an edge, but they should have an edge because ubiquity is the whole point of being a successful chain restaurant. So we are going to continue this vote. If you're not a tech subscriber and you want to get in on it, get in now. You'll start voting. 614-350-3315. Subscribe to Football Texts only to vote in a chain restaurant bracket and then bail on us when it's time to pay. That's fine. That's that's all right. We get it. Nathan, before we we get into this even more and we'll start to talk about some of the results. One of the other things here, we will allow you and Steven to have opinions on this, but you, this is a tech subscriber only vote. Uh, when we did the, we talked about it with tech subscribers and we did some stuff, but like that other bracket we did was the three of us were voting. This is tech subscribers are going to rule the day. What would you like to, how would you like to advise tech subscribers? Would you have any uh, information to share? Do you have any particular feelings about, chain restaurants before we get out of here to me the important things are originality and just taste just the flavor of the food the quality of the food i i feel like there are so many 
we're going to look at the end of this bracket and there's going to be about 14 restaurants that are exactly the same restaurant. It's not that you can get each something at each location of that restaurant. They all essentially have the same menu across all 14 of those restaurants. That's why I don't go into chain restaurants that much because I don't feel like I'm getting anything very unique. And I'm looking for something that may be more unique. So that's personally how I vote. It's like, oh, this this place has a thing that I can kind of only get there. And it's not just like some like bastardized version of Mexican food. It's like an actually a, a, a good entree of food. So that's how I think in, in terms of most things, whether it's like music or music or movies or, or things like that. Like I like originality. I like you to show me something I haven't necessarily seen before. And I know that's kind of counter to the point of a national chain restaurant, How's but I want, I at least want to nod in that direction. Have you been to a chain restaurant before? I've been to many of them and I just, I want, I want there to be, some identity there. I think identity is important too. Like, because there's some of these that like, there's a couple of these restaurants that I saw on the first list that you sent out that I'm like, I've actually never been to that restaurant, but I know exactly what's at that restaurant. And so, I mean, that it doesn't, it has no identity to me. So I will push back on that, not surprisingly, by saying I have been talking with uh, a defensive coordinator from high school in California who does some film breakdowns. And he did a film breakdown of Ohio State's single high safety defense uh, a couple weeks ago that I thought was really interesting. And uh, hopefully he's going to be on Buckeye Talk, hopefully this week. And he's going to come on and we're going to break down um, what goes into that defense. And and part of the, his point of that look from Ohio State was sort of how simple the defense was, but that it could be simple because their players were so good. So I think that applies to chain restaurants. And I get the idea that you are a chain restaurant that might really be doing – we got some chicken fingers, we got burgers, we got nachos and potato skins and mozzarella sticks as apps. We have maybe like a Sunday bar. We have some like, like some home, you know, meatloaf offerings or some pasta, whatever. You know, you're not surprising anybody. But listen, man, if you have Ohio State talent and you're telling people nobody does this kind of food, this wide variety better than we do. We're not trying to be different. We're just trying to be the best. Go ahead and throw on us. I think that works, man. Like, and, and actually, when I looked at this, there really are only about, sometimes I think there are like a million chain restaurants. There are really only about like 14 real, real true chain restaurants that like everybody in America knows what they're about. It's not as many as you would think. And so, you know what? Like, if you're going to line up and just not be surprising, but do it right. And the one thing I wanted to, to express to the texters is, you know, I'll tell you like the Cheesecake Factory is in this list and Waffle House is on this list. Listen, nobody thinks Waffle House has better food than Cheesecake Factory. But that doesn't mean that if Waffle House and Cheesecake Factory faced off, you couldn't vote for Waffle House. Because Waffle House is a lot cheaper. You can probably eat at Waffle House oh, three yeah. times for what you can eat at Cheesecake Factory. I think that's so, a great matchup. And I think Waffle House has an identity. I think Waffle House has like a personality almost. And I don't know if I feel like Cheesecake Factory does. So, I mean, I get like Cheesecake Factory might be more like Ohio State and Waffle House is like Wisconsin, right? God, who do we want to do this now? Do I want to apply? Do I want to match up every team, every <laughs> restaurant in the bracket with a college football team? Uh, we'll see if there's any season. Or That'll not. be October when there's no yeah. season. <laughs> but I, th- but that's like the whole. That's the whole point. Is like I think you have to take everything into consideration: the price, the convenience, the quality, the bang for the buck, the value, the atmosphere. You know, 
originality factors in there a little bit, but I also just think like doing the basics and doing them well is a thing too. So that's what we're going to do with the chain restaurant voting. And I think uh, uh, specials are also really important if you're going to do the chain restaurant thing, because that's usually when I have eaten at chain restaurants in the last several years, it's usually because of some like gimmick that that chain restaurant has that sucks me in. Um, The food has to be good too, but it'll be like, oh, the unlimited uh, soup and breadsticks or whatever at Olive Garden or um, something like that. You know, Chili's will have their like two for 25 menu where you and your person get to pick from the, have the menu together and save a little bit of money. And, and so, yeah, I think that kind of gimmick also like resonates with me. So that, that would impact my voting. So this, we're doing a lot of nonsense on this podcast, but it's part of the deal. Let me ask this question. When you go try a new restaurant, how often, what percent of the time would you say that you come away from that restaurant experience and say, that was not good. I did not enjoy that. We actually just had that. It's not that often um, that I'm like, man, I really regret going there. But we had it the other night. I'm not going to say where, but we just had the the texter ask a couple weeks ago about good tacos in Columbus. And we went to a new burrito place um, up in uh, that same area that the 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 the, the barbecue place was at actually and um not good like we spent the whole night talking about it didn't make us like sick and it wasn't that it was like i mean we ate it but it was we were like man we wish we had picked some other restaurant to try it for the first time because that really all that told us was we don't need to ever go back there i will say and i don't want to make it sound like i only eat at chain restaurants even though i often eat at chain restaurants like i found uh we have been getting i have the food truck finder on my app right now that the, um, uh, the food truck finder app on my phone, which, which is something new since the pandemic started. And we're just constantly checking. There have started to be food trucks in our neighborhood, probably about twice a week within walking distance of our house at the park nearby. So we've gone to those and then we kind of search out if there's an interesting food truck. There was an empanada food truck that I chased down. I like six miles from my house the other day. I was so excited to get empanadas. They were pretty good. I forgot how greasy empanadas can be. They can be really kind of heavy with that heavy greasy dough sometimes, but I was excited to do that. So uh, I do like some of that stuff, but I will say I sometimes if I'm going out to eat, I want to know that I'm really going to like it. And like there are places when I go to a lot of these chain restaurants, I get the same thing almost every time because I like it. And I know that whether I'm in Ohio or Florida or Massachusetts or Idaho or Arizona, it's going to be the same. And that on some level is reassuring because sometimes that's just what you're looking for. Sometimes it's not what you're looking for and you want to try something new. Sometimes, just like the listeners of Buckeye Talk, you just want something old and familiar, even if it's not all that good. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And sometimes that's maybe something I don't factor in that I'm not, I'm not that picky of an eater. Um, and I think I, um, I have kind of a cast iron stomach, even like I don't, I don't, it, I don't get, sick from eating stuff that often so i understand there's people who aren't built that way either just by their tastes um they're a little bit more picky or like physically they need there's only so much they can do as far as like being adventurous with their cuisine and i'm not like doing like man versus food stuff or whatever i'm just talking about like different ethnic foods and stuff like that so i I totally understand that there are people who um maybe need to go that route um i'm just saying that like i what I, i don't want something bland i want something that's like fresh and creative when I go to those places. 
again, if right, but that's like, for instance, you would want a different podcast than this. Then this is not the podcast <laughs> that you would choose to listen to. I will say you are still you're still significantly younger enough than me. I will tell you that when I eat, when I well, you're gonna be what's the, what's significant? <laughs> five. We're years. in the same decade. Five okay, years. five yeah. years. I was such a no. I, <laughs> I've been a decrepit, broken down old man for about 15 years now. But there was uh, I We're basically twins compared to the third person who's no, that's on true. this podcast in terms of well, age. That's, it's like we, we Stephen will be back and we'll start talking about uh, what he thinks of chain restaurants. But all he's going to talk about is the kids menu and whether they have good chicken fingers or not. <laughs> so his contributions to the chain food restaurant discussion are going to be limited. The, the only I have a I will just say. My only consideration when I eat food is not only what it's like going in. So, you know, sometimes uh, the older we get, you take other things uh, into, you factor into what you decide to do with your life. All right. I think we're going to get it soon. I think we're going to get a Big Ten schedule. And when we do, we're going to have an emergency podcast and we're going to have something fresh and new to talk about. Where's the Ohio State-Michigan game? Who is the new opponent if they go to 10 games? You know, do they rejigger the whole schedule? Are they playing September 5th or not? Where are the bye weeks as they try to figure out how they build in this flexibility? Now, when we look at the whole new Big Ten schedule, is there something in there that now all of a sudden changes your mind about, okay, you know, they're not going to change the home in a way, but what's, what's Ohio State going to be doing the week before the Penn State game, right? We talked a lot in the past about when they have Penn State and Michigan back-to-back. Yeah. That we think that matters. If they're not playing Michigan, if Michigan is not the last game of the year on the schedule, what is the last game of the year on the schedule? Let's say if, if they do get through this whole thing somehow and you're coming down the stretch and Ohio State's you know, trying to position itself for a national title, who's going to stand in the way in November if they played Michigan in October? I can't get my head around it. I cannot. I'm, I want to do some research and be ready for that. I don't know if it's an inevitability at this point. I don't really like it. We'll talk about it a ton if and when it happens. I, I, can, I can't get over playing Michigan in the middle of the year. It, it does not – it doesn't sit right with me, and I understand. And we might have a podcast on this at some point. Do you think this I, – I, I think I've mentioned it maybe on the podcast or to texters. How far as a fan would you suggest they push it? What kind of a jerry-rigged kind of – not fake, but – how far is it okay to push this season and still do it? And at what point does it just become like it's not worth it anymore? Like, if, it's, if, if we're going to have to do this in order to have a season, then just forget it, right? I mean, I think we I all just, have our line in the sand. And I'm not but saying your that, line in the sand is moving the Michigan game at all? Because well, if you're moving it off of the last week, it's if moving it, if the problem is the people seem to have with it is that it's supposed to cap the season, it's supposed to be in the season. So it's really not that you're moving it up to week one. It's that you'd be moving it at all that people would find objectionable. But, and, but tell me why you're moving it. To have a better chance of playing it at all. So say that you play, say that Ohio State, Michigan play in week five, and that's the last game Ohio State plays. Is that a, is that a win? Is that, like a, is that like a wow? Well, that was only a five-game college football season, but at least we played Michigan. That's like a success? That's success because that's why you're doing it. You're playing it, if they play it earlier, you're playing it that early because you're saying, maybe that's the last game we played and we want to make sure we play it. So then the question is, 
if that if that is your last game, is that success? Or well, no, that's why it, that's why I've argued you move it to week one because that so, way you're assured of playing it. And if that's the only game you played, at least the Ohio State Michigan game of of, of a dis, in, in in this disaster of a season that didn't really happen, at least the Ohio State Michigan game got to continue as usual. And if Michigan wins, everyone's going to say it was fake and it shouldn't count. That's, NFL, that's weak because it's still a head-to-head game that they're both playing. But if if it turns out, but if it turns out that it's a one-game season, and that's the only game they played, or if it's a two-game season, if the season is shot to heck and it's completely blown up, and it's like, well, they played three games that year, but then they called off the season. I don't want the Michigan game in those three games because it was a it was a it was a disastrous muck of a season. I don't want the old, I don't want the most important thing involved in that. I would rather have it be, yeah, we had a good enough season that we got to Ohio State, Michigan. Not that, well, everything exploded two weeks in, but at least we played the game. I, I, I don't want a fake game. I want a real but game. Th- that game wouldn't be fake. That game would be as real as any other game. You'd have the better ch- – moving it to week one this year gives you the best chance to have two full-strength teams playing each other potentially – even more so than another year where you don't play it until the very end. I would argue that if you wind up with only like a two or three or four or five game season, right? A season that has to be stopped. Um, I would argue that basically everything is because I mean, because if you play a two or three or four game season, you're not going to have a postseason. If you have to stop in the middle of the season and you're done playing, there's no postseason. So then right. what is this? What is it? What is it? It's a, it's a season that got aborted because of a pandemic. But at that point, if you start talking about that, then why are they still trying to play at all? Because you're trying to play a full season. You're trying to make it real. And Ohio I don't know State, if you're Michigan, trying to play a full. I think you're trying to play as much as you can. Yeah. Well, you're trying to play, but the the idea was see, like, we could. Well, it's like, can we save this? I told people we weren't going to do football. We we're going to do food. I don't want people who bailed on food to miss this. I will say, you're playing with hope and optimism that you can get in the stuff you're going to get in and preparing for things to go wrong, but trying to adjust to it. If I think if they think there's like a really, really strong chance, if they think there's an 80% chance, we're only going to play three games. They're not going to play. They're going to stop now. I don't think they'll start. I don't think they'll start with that expectation. I don't think they will start with the expectation that, well, the Ohio state Michigan game is going to be the last game we play, but at least we'll have gotten five games in. So I don't think they're going to start with that belief. So then why are you moving it up to protect yourself against it? Either if you play it late, you either play it in what is a pretty normal full season, normal in quotes. But if it's the eighth game of the year, you have to, it's the eighth game. You played at least eight games. And if you don't play it, it's because the season was messed up and you didn't get to it. But I don't see what the great huge benefit is of playing Ohio State, Michigan, in a season to keep that alive in a season where everything else is like. But I guess, I guess my point is I don't see why moving it to eight is so different than moving it to one because everyone talks about it. It it seems to be the the tradition and the specialness of it being the, the, the regular season finale is what people have. I I would keep it as a regular season finale. I would keep it as the regular season finale. And, it's and I'm, I'm just a pragmatist. I would rather move it up, make sure. And let's not uh, – revenue comes it. into this. And it. let's not forget that TV partners are going to have some say in when these games get scheduled. But so, but the, so my question is, wherever – and it's not going to be the first week. 
But if it's week five and it's the last game they play, and Ohio State finishes five and zero, and their last game is Michigan, how would you look at that season? I would look at that season as it being unfortunate that Ohio State and every other team didn't get to finish their season. But I don't think it's a travesty that they tried to play the season and found out they couldn't. No, and I don't exactly. think it's. But is it better because you at least played Michigan? It is. In my opinion, it is. Yeah, I don't think because it is. Because you at least got to see those two teams play each other on the field. They might have been, you know, we don't know. Michigan could be better than Penn State. It could be actually the two best teams in the Big Ten this year. I'm and telling- you get to keep this historic thing going. Like, then you, like I said, like even through the pandemic, Ohio State and Michigan were able to still play and keep that rivalry going, keep bragging rights going, keep those traditions going. Um, now, the thing that's going to take away from it also is whether fans are allowed to be in the stadium in any way at all, because that's part of my argument all along has been like the memories that are created around Ohio State-Michigan games are is why it's worth moving that game up to make sure you play it. And that gets lessened, obviously, if there are no fans in the stadium. I'm going to come up with an analogy. I'm going to come up with like 10 analogies for this because I think there is, there is a, a line for me of like, well, if you have to do that, it's not worth it. Because I do think, and I, I don't want to do it anymore, but I don't want to, I, don't, I really, it's like, I don't want to tell the people. I told people, if you don't want to listen to food, we're not going to talk about football. So I, I'll save my other point for later. Because It sounds ha- like this is actually going to happen and we'll actually have cause to come back and visit this again. So it's yeah, fine yeah. putting a pin in this for now. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're just waiting. Emergency podcast, whenever that new schedule comes out, we'll have a lot to talk about on regular podcasts once it does come out. Um, still some things juggling in the air. Hope to have this coach on to talk about the Ohio State single high safety. Uh, I want to, we have a great texture question about what should their slogan be for this year? I could see us getting into that. Um, practice as at the moment is supposed to start Friday. So if that happens, I mean, it's not like we're not going to exactly have a practice preview, but at some point, maybe Ohio State will let us talk to people again. I mean, Ohio State hasn't done diddly with letting us talk to coaches or players for however long. I mean, we talked to Gene, whatever it was, three weeks ago uh, when they bailed on non-conference games. But we haven't talked about anything with coaches or players, and I'm not sure why. Other, other programs are doing that. Your Ohio State Buckeyes are shutting out the media and shutting out the fans, I think because they don't want anyone talking about COVID. But it's like, guess what? COVID's here. You're still planning to have a football season. Maybe we could talk about stuff. I don't know. We're doing five podcasts a week about your program. Could we talk to anybody with your program? Could we talk to a player? Other programs are doing it. Can we talk to a coach? Not Ohio State. Hopefully that'll change soon. All right. We appreciate you guys listening. 614-350-3315 to try the texts. Apple Podcasts. Love the reviews there. Read cleveland.com slash OSU. For Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.